0: Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Well, what an honor to be with you today. I'm so happy uh, to be at Chich with you. Chich, like an Australian chich. Um, we're just so thankful. Uh, we've been in a series for five weeks on uh, heaven and hell. Uh, And last week in our Easter week we talked about uh, heaven on earth. We'll finish that series today, but uh, we have all of our this heaven and hell series is recorded online, and and, uh, I want to encourage you to go listen to it. This has been one of the most, uh, I think, impactful series series I've done in eighteen years of preaching, uh, every single week for eighteen years. Look at that. Am I that old? That's crazy. Eighteen years of preaching every single week, and so. Of all the series we've done, the heaven and hell has been, I think, uh, one of the most uh, impacting in the lives of people, and we're going to conclude that today, and what we're going to conclude it with is we're going to talk about uh, heaven on earth, and then we're going to go into our three-week series on change. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about how Jesus changes your finances, how Jesus changes your relationships, and how Jesus changes uh, your daily energies, or the daily things you do, your job, your work, everything. What does it look like to see Jesus come and change those areas of your life? But today what we're going to do is we're going to focus on something. I had this verse in my mind, this entire series, and I didn't know where to use it. And I just felt like I was supposed to sit on it. This verse today is, I think, just a a verse that we should all read over and over and over again. Because what Paul is trying to do is Paul is trying to help uh, the church and the followers of Jesus who are at that church recognize what it takes to experience Heaven on earth, what it takes to experience a a life-giving relationship with Christ. And everyone wants to experience heaven on earth. I mean, have you ever had that amazing plate of pasta? Some of us did on Thursday night, hallelujah. My wife made an amazing pasta, El Forno. It was incredible, baked pasta and layered. It was incredible. But ever have those moments where you have a good meal and at the end you're like, man, that was like heaven on earth. Or ever gone on a vacation and you're like sitting out on the beach in the Caribbean, you know, you're, you're drinking whatever you're drinking, eating whatever you're eating and hanging out, looking at the beach, and you're just thinking, oh, this is heaven on earth. We all want to have these heaven on earth moments. We all want to have these heaven on earth experiences. We all, that, mer- that wedding day you're hoping is going to be heaven on earth, you know. And so all these different things that we have in our life that we want to experience this incredible reality of heaven. But uh, I want to help you understand today how you can experience uh, heaven on earth through a personal relationship with, uh, with Jesus Christ, through a life-giving relationship with Christ, not just, not, not just a religious experience, not just a go-to-church experience, not just a traditional experience, but actually have a life-giving, personal friendship relationship with the God named Jesus Christ. And I believe that that's a possibility, and I believe you can have it for your life. And so we wanna talk about that today. And so we're gonna get right into it today. And um, there's my phone, I need my phone. And we're just going to start right off with the first point here. And this first point is kind of the premise of the entire uh, message. And what this will do is, is this will give us kind of a framework for where we're going to go. I'm going to give you this first thought, and then the rest of our time we'll spend talking about how to make that first thought a reality in your life. And so uh, I'm going to read this verse, and then we'll get into that at Colossians 3, verses 1 to 5. Let's read this together. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead. Keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth which have only temporal value. For you died to this world and your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who uh, is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in his glory. So put to death and in deprive of power the evil longings of your earthly body with its sensual, self-centered instincts. This verse is, I think, uh, one of the most powerful verses to help us understand how can we experience a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is how I think is the key, is, is the the silver bullet is, is it right here. Is very simple. Seek Jesus and don't stop. <laughs> Seek Jesus and don't stop. Look what it says: keep seeking the things that are above. Keep seeking Him and do not stop. What are the things above? It says in the verse, it says, where Christ is seated, keep seeking Christ. Christ is sitting at the the place of honor. Keep seeking Jesus. Keep Jesus the focus. Not religion, not church, not even your family, not even your kids, not even your careers, not even money. Keep Jesus. Keep heaven the very focus. Continue to seek him. Continue to seek his life. Continue to seek who he is. And do not stop ever I think that in our walk with God, often I find that in our journey with Jesus, we have an experience with him one time and we experience his presence, but then something happens where we find ourselves, we stop seeking God. And our it goes from a relationship with Jesus Christ to a religious environment in our heart, in our mind. And I am here today and every day to get us away from religion and keep us in a place where we are passionately in love with Jesus Christ. Keep seeking Jesus and do not stop. He says the word uh, seek is actually the word zeteo. It's the Greek word zeteo. And it actually speaks to a man's general philosophical search and quest. It, It speaks to a diligent, active, single minded investigation. It's a diligently, actively, single mindedly pursuing Jesus. Diligently, actively, single mindedly investigating heaven, putting my mind on heaven pursuing after jesus it is a present tense word which means it will never stop this is important for you to understand i know you say i get this right i know this no but you have to understand seeking jesus never ever quits not once for one moment in your life do we ever stop seeking after the face of god matthew chapter 7 verse 7 keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for keep on seeking. And you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks will find, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Look at this one in Acts 17 27. Look at this. His purpose in all of this, in everything. Look at this. His purpose in everything, in your job, in your marriage, in your life, is that they should seek after God. Look at this. And perhaps feel their way toward Him and find him. That makes me think, in this verse, as Paul's talking about individuals who were worshiping many unknown gods, he was talking to them about how I know this unknown God. I know who you're seeking after, his name. Is Jesus, And he says, and the reason all of this happened, the, way, the reason God created the universe and God created nature and God created everything in our life is that just by perhaps, people will begin to seek after God and it's almost as though we're just seeking after him and we will eventually find him. But guess what? Once you find him, sometimes we have to keep seeking him more and more and more and more, never stopping, never ceasing to seek after God. Look at this in Matthew 13. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. And When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Matthew 6:33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Okay, so Ryan, okay, so I have to keep seeking. I get that. But I've already found God. Why would I have to keep seeking him? If I've already found God, I already have them in my life. Why do I have to keep seeking after him? Why do I have to keep pressing in? Okay, firstly, God is omnipresent and he's with us all the time. Secondly, he is always present with his children. He he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He has never once left you in all of your life. The moments when you're in your darkest hour where you feel like God is not with you, he is present. He is face to face, nose to nose. God's presence is absolutely with you at all times. The issue isn't God's presence being with us. The issue is that you and I are quite fickle. You and I are quite emotional people. And You and I go through times where things get hard or things get tired. I just got to be really honest with you. I know this is going to sound terrible coming from a pastor, but even that first part of the message, as I'm sharing it, I'm like, oh, that sounds exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you're feeling the same thing. Just, oh my gosh, I just have to keep seeking constantly? Is he just going to keep running away from me like, 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 like a, a dog on the loose? Do so I just keep running after him? We we get fickle sometimes, and we get emotional sometimes, and there is this sense in which even though God is with us, I'm sure you can agree with me that there's this sense in these moments where I just feel like God's presence isn't with me. You ever felt those moments where you know God is present, you know God is with me, but you ever felt those moments where you just feel like, I just don't feel God like I used to? I just don't sense God like I did in that worship service on Sunday. or I just don't sense God like I did in the past when I was a, a young buck and passionate for the Lord. Now I'm an old buck and I, I, just, I just haven't felt his presence like I once did. And even though God's manifest presence and conscious presence is what we want to experience, often we find that we are not experiencing the very manifest presence of God on a regular basis in our lives. There's a, it's a, this challenge for us to experience God's presence on a continual basis. He is there, but sometimes I feel like He is not with me. and Sometimes I feel disconnected from God for me it happens about on a Wednesday the day I have to study it's hilarious I go to study and I feel like man I feel like going out and playing in the yard or going doing something else because I don't feel connected to God right now how many of you ever felt that way before and see what happens is we have to understand firstly that, that that doesn't doesn't mean we're bad people it doesn't mean that you're a terrible person what it means is is that we're just emotional beings and we tend to stray away from the presence of God. We tend to, to make decisions and we step away from what God, and we have these seasons of neglect, neglect for God, where we don't give him any thought, where we, 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 we just we don't perceive His greatness, we don't perceive where he is.'t sometimes, even though life is great, we find ourselves complaining about things like the weather. I mean, I'm so thankful that I have a roof to cover me from the weather. We forget about those small details in our lives that we need to be so thankful for. we are just come to seasons in our life where we feel disconnected from God, and what happens is there are endless obstacles that keep us from experiencing God. There's relationships that we're in, uh, uh, potentially ungodly relationships that are keeping you from experiencing the manifest presence of God. There is uh, uh, business careers, maybe businesses that you've started or careers, that you're chasing after, and, and what they're doing is they they tend to lead your heart astray from God. Maybe it's an emotional, maybe it's your emotions, and maybe it's unforgiveness, or maybe there's bitterness in your heart, or maybe you've got a sin in your life, and you just find there's all of these different obstacles that are keeping me from experiencing God. And the way what you and I have to do is begin to train ourselves. It's a training. It's actually a habit that we have to train ourselves. I know, I know you want God to come in just like I do, and to turn the light on and. will, he does, he pours his spirit out on you, he ministers to you, but I want you to know all that is, is he's just trying to get you going, because as a follower of Jesus, you have to train yourself to continually put your eyes on things of heaven, and not things of earth. That means I have to make decisions. I I can't be in that ungodly relationship with that person, not because I don't love them, not because I don't like them, because I know that they actually are an obstacle to me experiencing a relationship with the Lord. Oh, I I would love to engage in this thing, or watch that movie, or play that video game, or whatever it might be. Whatever my thing might be, I'd love to do that thing, but you know what? It does not benefit me in my experiencing the manifest presence of God. I'd love to listen to that song, or I'd love to go to that place, but I just can't do it because you know what? I'm training myself to not look at the things of this earth, but to look at the things of heaven. So if there's any obstacles in your life, God wants to reveal them to you, but he wants you to get them out of your life. He's not gonna force you to break up with that relationship. He's not gonna force you to not go do those things. That's not how God works. God wants you to make a personal decision that I'm going to remove the obstacles from my life that might be hindering me from experiencing the manifest presence of God. And can God come and break through all that? Absolutely, and he loves to do that. But from a person, I've served the Lord for a long time, I've found I have to train myself to keep my sights on heaven. Because if I don't, I tend to wander away from God and I experience his, man- his, his uh, omnipresence and I experience God in a religious framework, but I don't have that personal manifest relationship with Jesus. And it's not because God doesn't want to give it to you. It's because we are unwilling to break through the obstacles in our life to make ourselves available for God to minister to our hearts. And so we have to understand that <clears throat> we have to Look for those obstacles and remove them from our lives with the Lord's help and begin to take things, steps forward to experiencing God's presence. Now, Ryan, how do I seek God? I want to give you three things from our verse today, three things in this verse that identify how how do we seek God? What do I need to do to begin to seek God and not stop? What are some of the things I need to do? The first one is this. The first one is continuously recalibrate your heart's motivation. Colossians 3.1, it says this. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits the place of honor at God's right hand. Look what Randy Alcorn said in his book, Heaven. The biblical doctrine of heaven is about the future, but it has tremendous benefits here and now. If we grasp it, it will shift our center of gravity and radically change our perspective on life. And so we have to actually again train ourselves, look at this, to set our sights. You know, the moment I saw that word in the in the NIV, I thought of a, a hunting scope. So when you're setting your scope on a on a rifle. The goal obviously is to have perfect sight alignment meaning that what you're aiming at with your with your gun your sight is also aiming at the same target. So that would be the objective, that would be the goal. But what often happens is is I was looking at this setting a sight when you pick up a rifle to shoot you're looking at the animal, your crosshairs are on your target, but your bullet is going to the right or to the left or below and it's because you have to change your sight things I'm pointed at a good relationship. I'm pointed at a good career. I'm pointed at good things in my life. If the sights of your heart are not in the right place, you will still miss the mark. And so you have to set your sights on heavenly things. So yes, you're in a marriage relationship. Of course, you should stay married even though things are rocky and work this thing out at the best as you can. But guess what? You gotta make sure that you're not just aiming at a healthy relationship, but your heart motivation, the sights of your heart are focused on what God wants for that marriage, not just what you want for that marriage. You have to continuously, listen, Continuously, everybody say continuously. Recalibrate the motivation of your heart. Some of us read our Bibles because if we don't, we feel guilty. That is not a right motivation to read your Bible. You should read your Bible because you want to know Jesus better. See, little things like that will transform. I know in my own Bible time. I said this last night. You know, I'm I'm a regular, but sometimes I'm irregular. How many of you know what I mean? Sometimes it's like, whoa, it's been like, ooh, I need to read my Bible. Okay. And sometimes I realize that's because I was doing it out of religion in the first place. And if I start reading my Bible with the heart motivation to know Jesus better and to pursue his word, I want to know who your character is and your nature. And I want to learn the stories of the Bible because every one of them is a love story to my life. And it teaches me more about myself, but also more about you, God. When my motivation of my heart is recalibrated with the right sight, then when I fire that gun with my life, when I go for that career, when I go for that relationship, when I go Go for that thing. The right motivation will be heavenly minded and God will minister to you. His presence will be manifest in your life and now it'll be in your relationship and now it'll be in your finances and now it'll be in your heart and your mind all because even though you were doing the right thing, you were doing it with the wrong heart. Makes all the difference in the world. So obviously the goal is to have perfect sight alignment. And what happens is, is that When you and I have our hearts set on heaven, have our hearts set on Jesus, when we align our motivation, we begin to experience his presence, we begin to experience heaven and earth. Look what Paul says in Ephesians 1.18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So he goes, okay, I pray that your heart, he doesn't just say, I pray that your eyes of your heart and then miss the next word. He says, I pray that there'll be enlightenment. Like there'll be a, your heart will be focused and enlightened on the right thing. And look what happens in this verse. Look what he says in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, so your calling, the riches of his glorious inheritance and saints, your identity, uh, in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us to believe your potential. So when you get your heart set right on heaven and heart set right on Christ, and you start combining your good intentions with your God intentions, you meld those together, not only will you begin to understand your calling, you'll begin to understand your identity, you'll begin to understand your potential, and now the manifest presence of God will come in your life, all because you stopped and checked and recalculated your heart's motivation. He wants a broken and a contrite heart, not your sacrifice. If you give your money, but your heart's wrong, God doesn't like it. I want you to hear that today. He's not a God who wants you to do good works. He wants you to love Him and have a relationship with Him. And out of that, guess what happens? You do good works. So have a heart recalculation. This was what the famous men of faith did. Look at this scripture. And women of faith as well. Hebrews 11:13. 13, even though it says men, there's women in there too. These men of faith, I have mentioned, died without ever receiving all that God had promised them, but they saw it all awaiting them on ahead and were glad for they agreed that this earth was not their real home, but that they were just strangers visiting down here. And quite obviously, when they talked like that, they were looking forward to their real home in heaven. If they had wanted to, they could have gone back to the good things of this world. But they didn't want to. They were living for heaven. And now God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has made a heavenly city just for them. The next thought here today, actually, I wanted to read this quote here. Uh, Famous Jewish Christian Dietrich Bonhoeffer was just about to be hanged by the Nazis, and this was his last prayer. Oh God, this is, not, this, this, this is the end, but for me, it's just the beginning. <laughs> How about the next one here this morning? Continuously rewire your thinking. This is one of the most important things that we can do. And I know a lot of this stuff is very basic stuff, but I like to say the basic stuff over and over and over again because I believe if we can get these elementary things, then we'll begin to get the mature things, amen? Continuously rewire your thinking, Look at this, Colossians 3:2. Set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth, which have only temporal value. Why would Paul say this command twice? He repeated himself. It's because you and I tend to allow our mind to take control, and we are not habitually engaging our brains and our minds. On God this is one of the biggest areas I believe this is the battlefield of the devil he rules in this way he's a master warrior in the area of our mind and often we put less emphasis on rewiring our brain than we should you should be rewiring your thinking on a regular basis and no longer adhering to the patterns of this world. Look what the scripture says in Romans chapter 12 too. Don't copy the behavior of the customs of this world. So you don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Look at this, Ephesians 4, 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its evil desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Your mind is like a muscle. What you put into your mind is going to uh, either cause it to be super flabby, like the egg McMuffin that I was craving that I didn't eat this morning. Oh, I love McDonald's egg McMuffins or so so good just craving one this morning my wife's like you are not having that so that's why it looks so good today <laughs> our mind is a muscle so i'm not, i don't want to be legalistic here religious because that's not who i am but just let me say these thoughts without wrapped around religion what you put into your brain will feed it in one direction or the other now, I know, like, I, I, I've gone through this thing just as me, you, it's between you and the Lord, but for me, man, I can't turn on Netflix, personally, for me, I can't turn on Netflix anymore without thinking, oh, I can't watch this, because it's not going to feed my brain to think upon heavenly things. Isn't that a big challenge in today's media culture? To decide what is and isn't going to benefit my brain, what is and isn't going to help my thinking, what is and isn't going to benefit my heart and my mind. That's why, man, I would love to listen to all this type of music, but I just find that when I listen to to music that is centered on Christ, worship music, I just find my mind is being renewed. When I turn on the audio Bible and I let it run in my car, I know sometimes I don't like that guy's accent and it's a little irritating because he just, you know, hello, just the way he says it just bugs me but i think you know what my mind is being renewed my mind is being renewed because if we don't habitually teach our minds to yield to god's word and god's ways you are going the devil will have his way with you and you will be just a religious christian you have to on a regular basis habitually and regularly feed your muscle of your mind now I've taught this many times, but actually 1 Peter one thirteen calls, he said to gird up the loins of your mind. That word loins is a reproductive organ. It means your mind is a reproductive organ. So what seed you put into your mind, you're gonna get all sorts of illegitimate children if you're letting the enemy's lies come into your mind and you accept it. Oh, I am this and I am that and I am this thing. The enemy will have his way with your brain if you let him. That's why we have to go on the offensive and train ourselves to rewire our thinking. I've had to do it for years and I still struggle with it, I'm sure you do too, to rewire the way that I think to set my sights on things that matter, not on things that don't matter. Things on this earth are temporal. Riches are temporal. Fashion is temporal. Belongings are temporal. These things are temporal. They mean nothing in the scope of our short mist of a life. And the afterlife, when we go to heaven with Jesus and spend an eternity there, we will look back and say, oh my gosh, look how small that was. And yet I gave so much of my mind to being concerned about all of these things in my life. We have to habitually and regularly train our thinking. Now in the old days, when they used to train lions, They used to use a stool or a chair with four legs. I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but maybe you don't know why they do that. They do that because when they walk into this this, this cage with this ferocious lion, and they have this stool. It, the, the four legs of the stool, the lion can only uh, focus enough on one, maybe two things. So when they have these, this chair with the four legs, this lion actually gets, has like this paralysis. And so it actually loses its ability to be a lion. And so what happens is, is that the lion's trying to focus on all four of these other things, and it loses its ability to be the lion it was created to be. So it actually goes into paralysis. The lion sits there weak and looks at this man with a whip and a pistol when this lion could just step up and bite that guy's head off in a second. And yet all because of this little tiny stool, this lion can't focus because he's got too much going on in his mind. And we're just like this lion. We're called to be ferocious, powerful. We have the power of God living in us but we've got so much stuff going on in our mind that we can't clearly focus on Jesus We can't clearly focus on heaven. We can't clearly focus on his kingdom because we've got all sorts of thoughts in our mind. We've got worry in our mind and anxiety in our mind. We've got sin in our mind. We've got doubt in our mind. We've got all sorts of things going on. I've got our businesses and our careers and our finances. All these things are swirling around in our mind. What am I gonna do? How am I gonna do this? And I want you to know that Jesus gives you the answer. in, In Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious for everything, for anything, but in all things, by prayer and supplication, bring your request before the lord with thanksgiving and he will guard your heart and your mind with a peace that transcends all understanding so we have to habitually work towards in our mind rewiring our thinking you rewire your thinking through reading the word you rewire your thinking through listening to good music. <laughs> you rewire your thinking by not letting crap in your mind, in your heart. You, you, you rewire your thinking by being in good relationship with people in your local church. You, you rewire your brain by, by not allowing those evil thoughts to come into your mind. And when they do, you, you speak it out. Say, I am not this, I am this, I am not that, I am this. You've got to begin to rewire the way that your mind thinks. And what happens is is often when we experience difficulty in our life, this is when our mind goes haywire. And what happens is when we set our sights on heaven, when we begin to pursue Jesus and continuously recalculate and rewire our thinking, it changes how we see tough circumstances. Look at this by Randy Alcorn. We can't be pessimists as Christians. The only proper foundation for optimism is the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. Any other foundation is sand, not rock. It will not bear the weight of eternity However, if we build our lives on the redemptive work of Christ, we should all be optimists. Why? Because even our most painful experience in life is but a temporary setback. Our pain and suffering may or may not be relieved in this life, but they will certainly be relieved in the next. And that is Christ's promise. No more death or pain. He will wipe away all our tears, take away our suffering on himself, so that one day he might remove all suffering from us. And that is the biblical foundation for optimism. No Christian should be a pessimist. We should be realists focused on the reality that we serve a sovereign and gracious God because of the reality of Christ's atoning sacrifice and his promises, biblical realism is optimism. When you and I experience difficult circumstances in our life, when we experience hardship in, uh, as followers of Jesus Christ, it, seeking after Jesus, I want you to hear me, seeking after Jesus does not often take your pain away. Seeking after Jesus... Doesn't often relieve you from this difficulty in your life. A lot of people think that it does, but it doesn't. But what it does do is it helps you see it from a different perspective so that when you face this difficulty in your life and you face this anxious moment in your life, you now see it through the sight of heaven, through the sight of Christ. You now see it through the redemptive work of Jesus. And even though you might not experience what you're asking for right now, which could be a reality, I know this isn't a good sales pitch for Christianity, but it's just the reality. We all know that even though we serve God, sometimes my pain continues. As followers of Jesus, we know that one day when we die, we will spend an eternity with Jesus and there'll be no more fear, there'll be no more pain, there'll be no more tears. We know that even though though it's hard now, my perspective on my difficulty is different because my mind is being rewired to think about things above, not things on the earth. Look at Luke 6. What blessings await you when people hate you? exclude you mock you curse you <laughs> as evil because you follow the son of man when that happens be happy yes leap for joy for great reward awaits you in heaven and remember their ancestors treated the ancient prophets the same way james 1 2 and 4 your brothers and sisters when troubles of any kind come your way consider it an opportunity for great joy Colossians one i I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I'm participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body. The church, 1 Peter 4.13, instead be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering. When you and I experience difficult circumstances, if your mind has been rewired, you won't see it like a person of the earth. You will see it like a person who's living for heaven. Amen? Amen. Lastly here this morning is continuously surrender your life completely to Jesus. Therefore, if you've been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, for you died to this world, so put to death and deprive deprive of power the evil longings of your sinful body with its sensual, self-centered instincts. Look at this. Therefore, if you've been raised with Christ, I'm going to say something that probably pastors don't ever say. (laughs) Jesus wants you to serve him. He wants you to serve him with all your life, but he doesn't want you to serve him halfway. He wants you in, or he wants you out. You read in Mark cha- or John chapter six, Jesus preaches and said to you, and he turns to all the people and says, "Does this offend you?" And all the people left. And he turns to his disciples and said, "Are you guys going to leave too?" As a follower of Jesus, whether you're here today and you say, right, I'm not a follower of God, I want you to know today, what Jesus wants from you, he wants you all in. He wants every area of your heart. He wants every area of your mind. He wants every area of your life. He wants your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. And I'm gonna say it clearly and boldly today, and I wanna encourage you with this. If you're kind of in between and not sure if you wanna be in or you wanna be out, it's okay. Make a decision. Either go all in or get all out. God actually prefers that in your life. And guess what happens when you make a personal decision to get all in for christ and start surrendering your heart to him and your mind to him and your emotions to him and your life to him i want you to know something you will experience what it's like to have heaven on earth that when you experience difficult times in your life Your mind's so rewired that nothing can stop me. I'm going to continue even though my body might be sick and there might be challenges in my life. My heart is filled with joy and hope and people will begin to wonder, what has happened in your life? You said, I went all in for Jesus i decided that i'm going to give him everything i'm not going to do this lukewarm thing i'm not going to stand in the middle and say maybe on one day i will and one day i won't listen jesus doesn't like it he doesn't prefer it he wants you in or he wants you out choose one because god will bless you if you go all in continuously and regularly be surrendering your life to jesus in these four areas your heart your mind your emotions and everything that you do with your life. If you want to experience heaven on earth, if you want to experience the provision of God, If you want to experience the manifest presence in your marriage, in your parenting, in your life, maybe in your relationships, maybe you're in a dating relationship and you want God to come and minister in that place, I promise you, if you would stop today and say, okay, God, I'm going to surrender every area of my life to you. I'm going to give you every anxious thought. I'm going to let you worry about my future. I'm going to let you worry about these children I want to have. I'm going to let you worry about everything, God. You can have it all. His presence will come. And he will minister in your life like you've never experienced before. So much so that you taste it and you just want more. And it causes you to seek more and to seek more and to seek more. And you just don't stop and you just keep seeking God. And the flame that's in your heart goes from a little ember to a big flame until finally you are passionately and sincerely serving a God that you have a relationship with. Personal relationship with Jesus. Do you know that you can have a friendship with him? You can have a daily walk with God where you talk with Him and you live with Him and you converse with Him and He speaks to you and He blesses you and He helps you and He guides you just like your relationships around you. That's exactly what Jesus wants with your life. He wants every single area, your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. And if you want to experience heaven on earth, you have to seek Him with all your heart and don't ever stop that's how you'll experience heaven on earth my wife makes this amazing pasta it's, like called, it's, called, it's called a broccolini pasta it's a little sausage and a nice little soup type it's, just, it's my favorite with some parmesan cheese melted on top Ooh, some fresh bread and some olive oil and some vinegar you guys are hungry huh such an amazing meal So much so that when I taste it, I just can't wait for her to make it for me again. When you experience Jesus, you probably know that some of you felt it today, when you just experience his manifest presence, or something comes over you, we are like, gosh, I really want that again. I really want to taste it again. I really want to be around it again. I want to feel it again. How do I get there? I want to tell you how. Continuously recalibrate the motivation of your heart continuously be rewiring your thinking on a regular basis and surrender your heart, mind, soul, and strength to Him. I know, it's as easy as that, right? <laughs> you and I can have a personal relationship with Jesus today that isn't stale, that isn't dead, that isn't dry, that is alive. Amen? Why don't you stay with me this morning? Come on, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to pray for you today. And we do this every week just to give everyone an opportunity who's in the room today. Anyone who wants to make a commitment to serve the Lord today, give their lives to Jesus. He wants you in. He wants your heart. He wants your life. He wants to touch you and change you and transform you. And I'm a a person who's experienced it in my own life. When you're here today, and with every eye closed, you say, Ryan, I'd like to start a relationship with the Lord today. I don't have a relationship with him right now, or I'd like to refresh my relationship with him. Come on, would you just put your hand in the air today? Let me see who you are. We'll pray together today. Come on, several hands across the room. Praise the Lord, that's awesome. Come on, anybody else today? Join these two individuals who want to give their hearts to the Lord today. Come on, anybody else? Come on, church, we're going to pray together. I want you to pray out loud with me. Come on, with our brothers here. Let's pray out loud. Repeat after me this morning. Dear Lord Jesus. Come on, with some gusto. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning. I want to start a relationship with you. I surrender my heart, my mind, and my soul to you. That was a long one. <laughs> I give you my mind this morning. I want a real relationship with you. I don't want a religion, I don't want it to be dry stale. I want a life-giving relationship with you. So I give my heart to you this morning. Would you forgive me of all my sin? I confess that you are God and I give you my life in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on, would you put your hands together this morning? There's two people this morning raised their hands. Want to recommit their life to Jesus today.